Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. We're so privileged to have our family from Costa Rica here. Come on. Welcome Peyton and Julie, McKeith and Megan's here. Good to have you. Come on, come on Meg, stand up. Come on, it's good to have we had um, we had such uh, we had such a wonderful time just before uh, the you know the COVID was in January right it was January we were there uh, we had such a wonderful time they're doing such an amazing work we got into some place you know we have we celebrate we had ninety families come to House of Mercy this this week and looking for food and help and we blessed the Lord but we went with them on an outreach and it was really incredible and when you come to a house that has a wall with a shower curtain and you realize my god you know and and the outreach and the welcome and the prayer and it's just my heart just gets so excited to see what god's doing so we honor peyton and julie maybe they'll tell us a little bit about the building plan and how that's all going and okay Tenga paciencia. <laughs> Be patient. <laughs> no. Um, well, how's everybody this morning? <laughs> God is so good. We're so happy to be here. Um, we're very cold. <laughs> it's been at least 10 years since we've been home in the wintertime, so yikes. Um, we, we don't even own jackets anymore. So, um, but God is good, and he worked everything out for us to be here this this time at Christmas, and it's been a blessing, and I will cry, so I will warn you, and so will he, sure. so just, you know, get used to that. Um, it's just so special to be home. <sighs> Stop. <laughs> I need the social distance. <laughs> yeah. Um, we haven't been back in a year and a half because of COVID, so um, you'll have to forgive us. Ah. Costa Rica is also home, too, so it's, it's kind of, um, okay. we're, we're in this world, uh, not of this world. So really, heaven is our home. But um, um, God is good. You know, we have been there almost 15 years, so it's a long time. Actually, a little over. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. Um, but God is good. In the midst of all that, we, uh, we started building a church. Uh, we were given land about three years ago, uh, an awesome piece of property on the main road in the center of town. Only God can do that. That's right. No strings attached. It's his land. He owns it all. And he gave us a portion of it uh, through others. And um, we started building, and we were halfway through. And, of course, COVID came in, and, you know, some of the money went away. And, um, but in the midst of all that, I know it's just it's such uncertain times. But in the midst of it, you know, God is with us. And... If you remember the story of, of the storm and the disciples were in the boat, Jesus had sent them ahead, and he knew the storm was coming, but he didn't stop them from going. He sent them on, 
And in the night, he came walking on the water. And, and even in, in Mark, it says he almost walked by them. They didn't recognize him. And then when they did, they were amazed. They first thought he was a ghost. And in the midst of the storm, do we recognize Jesus? Do we recognize that he is with us? That's right. Do we don't want him to walk by? And he got in the boat when they recognized him. And he said, take courage. Do not be afraid. And in the boat, they continued on to the other side. And it says they landed in Jinsaret. And they anchored there. And I want to say this morning, you know, where are you anchored? If Jesus is in the boat, he will take you where you need to go. That's right. And in that place, you need to be anchored. And they got out of the boat, and they began to minister. And it says the sick came from everywhere, and he healed them all. It was miraculous. It was amazing. And I want to say that in the midst of the storm with Jesus in the boat, when you're anchored where he wants you to be, the miraculous can happen. That's right. We, That's right. we are opening our eyes to see the miraculous. We are praying for the sick to come from all over. That's right. They said they laid them in the marketplace. Woo. The power of God was moving so profoundly. And we, us included, we get so focused on what's going on around us that we're not focused on the kingdom the kingdom come, his will be done right. on earth as it is in heaven, right. right here, right now. That's right. Praise God Lord. is in control. God is in control. That's right. Praise and Lord. we do our part and we pray and we fast, but ultimately, it's his will be done. That's right. And our job is to say on earth as it is in heaven, this day, what do you have for me to do? I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know about next year. I, we don't even know if we'll be here. We may be in glory. <laughs> we may be there. But before we go, let's take as many as we can with us. Amen. Amen. Let's don't stop. Let's don't stop until we drop. <laughs> no, until we rise up. That's right. And so I just encourage you today. I encourage you. Jesus is in the boat. He's in the boat. Get anchored. Let him take you to Jinsaret. Where you know what you know that you have to do his will. You have to rise up. Be what he's called you to be. The line... The light shines the darkness. Uh, the light, I can't even talk. Shines the brightest. light shines the brightest in the darkest of times. That's right. And we have such an opportunity to be the church of Jesus Christ. That's right. Here on earth. So God bless you today. Remember us in your prayers. Remember us there. Because we, we love you here. Yeah. And we're so thankful for all that Pastor Tom, Jenny, elders, everyone. You know our hearts, and we love you. Amen. I don't know. Maybe I just need to sit down. Let it get on with it, right?
Here we go. We used to say at the small group, we were tore up from the floor up. Oh, wow. It's such a joy. Um, it doesn't look like it, but it's such a joy to be with you. This is our family. will always be our family. And it's an honor to have you, um, to have the opportunity to be with you and to share uh, what God's put in my heart this morning. And we're going to begin this morning in the Gospel of John, chapter 6. John, chapter 6. I warn you guys in sound that I get really loud. So, um. But before we go there, I want to set this up a little bit, and then I want to pray before we go into the message. I wanted to give you a chance to, to go to John, chapter 6. Uh, I want to tell you kind of a funny little story in setting this up, and that is um, two Sundays ago, we were in Greenville, South Carolina at Julie's brother's house, and we had um, celebrated, you know, Christmas there and with family, had a great time. Like she said, it's been over 10 years since we've been home at Christmas, and so we had a good time. And then Sunday morning, um, me and her brother, uh, my brother-in-law, her brother, were sitting there on the couch, and um, we were watching the news, and uh, and just talking and things, and all of a sudden this story popped up. I'm sure you've probably all seen it about the Girl Scouts suing the Boy Scouts. And uh, they're suing the Boy Scouts because the, the Boy Scouts um, set it up for um, them to be able to accept girls. And 127,000 girls have joined the Boy Scouts instead of the Girl Scouts. And, um, and my brother-in-law is sitting on the couch, and he looks over at me and he just shakes his head and he goes, man, even the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts can't get along. <laughs> and that's such a, a small a microcosm of a greater reality that we are all living in right now. And um, it's increasing in our world. This separation, this division. Um, and for us here in the West, because many people in many countries, many Christians in many countries have lived like this their whole lives, with people completely against them, even underground and, and all. We, you know, we know the stories in Muslim countries, in Hindu countries. But the impact of this is going to be even greater for us because... Honestly, many of the things that we're going to see and experience, we've never even considered that, well, many of us probably have never even considered that that would be a reality in the United States of America. And so we're going to experience these things on a much greater scale, and we need to be prepared. And so this morning, I want to spend some time sharing with you just a couple of things that, that I see that I believe are are. Um, happening and that the Lord has put on my heart specifically, and then I want to close with how we should respond. And so, uh, are you with me this morning? Okay. All right. So, um, let's pray before we get into to John chapter 6. Father, thank you for your word. Your word's a spirit in their life. Your word is truth. God, open our eyes to see the word that you have for us this morning. Prepare our hearts, Lord. Let us receive your word, even the challenges with joy. 
Lord, renew our minds and transform our hearts. We speak out against fear and anxiety, and we ask you to replace that with your peace and with your passion for the mission that you have called us to, and make this word alive in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So in John chapter 6, we read this story about uh, Jesus teaching in the synagogue in uh, a town called Capernaum, and, and in the midst of his um, teaching, he declares to the people that I am the bread of life that has come down from heaven, and he that eats of this bread will live forever, and he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Now, I want to pick up the story right there, and I want to read from verses 60 to 66. That's, that's John chapter 6, verses 60 through 66, and, or, yeah, six, 60 through 66, and uh, I'm reading from the New King James, and it says this. It says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits for nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to the Father or come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. And from that time on, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. <laughs> this was a hard teaching. This was offensive to the, the, the disciples, these disciples, to their flesh. And the, the people did not understand what Jesus was saying, but some of the translations say um, they could not hear it or they could not accept it. In, in fact, the truth was so unacceptable to them that, that many of them left Jesus for good. They turned away. They fell away and no longer followed Jesus. Many. Now, hold your place here because we're going to take a long detour and then at the end we're going to come back here. But the first thing I want to share with you this morning is, is part of that greater reality is that there is a great falling away that is happening right now. It's been happening. It's increasing, and it's going to increase. We know from Paul, he, he, pre he taught about a, a great apostasy or a falling away in the last days. Jesus, in Matthew 24, also spoke about this, uh, speaking to his disciples about the sign of his return. And listen, I want to be clear. I, I don't know if this is that, because we should all understand something about end times or eschatological prophecy. And that is that everything that's prophesied, most of those things that, that, are, that are prophesied that are going to happen, 
near the end or even in the great tribulation. Many of those things are happening at a certain measure and have happened for the past 2,000 years and are happening right now in many countries, okay? But they are going to increase and become more frequent and more intense up and to the point where the actual fulfillment of the prophecy takes place. That's very important that we understand that because too many people try to say, oh, well, this is not that because these other things. No, it's, they're happening, and they're going to increase. But I can tell you that there is a significant falling away happen, happening right now, and, and apart from some divine intervention, apart from a, a move of the Spirit of God to turn the tide and listen, he can do it. Our God can do it, and we, shouldn't, we should continue to pray for that and believe for that. That Second Chronicles 7, 14, you know, if my people, we, we need to be those people. And we need to continue to pray because many times God shows up in the most unlikely times and places. And we're praying for revival, you're praying for revival, and God can do it. Even in the midst of a great falling away, even in the midst of these other things, our God can do it. We must not lose that hope in our disaster, amen? But we're going we're gonna to be eyewitnesses to this on a large scale. There is a movement that I want to make you aware of if you're not already known as progressive christianity it's funny how this word progress doesn't seem to be progress in our day does it the progressives their progress is not the progress that aligns up with the will of god amen but if you're not informed about this progressive christianity you should be as a believer for a couple of reasons First, so that you will not be deceived. You know, the word talks about there's a great delusion that comes and, and even the elect would be deceived if God didn't cut the time short. And I'm not saying this is that, but, but this is a great deception that is falling upon the church. And we've heard this word deception and, and people have touched on this message all morning in different ways. And so I know God is setting us up. But this is survival of the fittest. You know, you, you understand survival of the fittest, right? Okay, well, what I mean by that is this is spiritual survival of the fittest. If you are not prepared, if you are not prayed up and, and prepared for what is going to happen around you, then you will not go through this. You will fall away because the deception is going to be so great. And we're going to see some of it already in real life right here, right now. And this is not about fear. I didn't come here this morning. To make you afraid. Because we know that's not from God. God put this on my heart because I care about you. And I don't want the devil gobbling up my family. And we need to be prepared. And this is why many times it talks about building up the weak. We better be building up the weak right now.
Because if we don't, they are going to be falling out. And then we're going to go, what happened? So it's not about fear, it's about preparation. The second reason you need to understand this is because if you choose to stand with God in his word, you will not escape the effects of what's coming. You will not escape the effects of this movement on the church, the church, and on our nation or the nations of the world. Okay, so before... I go into that. I want to read some words from Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. You can never go wrong with the Sermon on the Mount. Amen. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Just two verses, and you'll know them very well. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And it says this, 7, 13, and 14 of the Gospel of Matthew. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. There are only two kingdoms. There are only two paths. One for those that truly believe in Jesus Christ and his truth. And that path leads to to life abundant and eternal. And another path for those who reject Christ and his truth, either by confession or by the way they live their lives. Confession means nothing without the life to back it up. Don't buy into that lie. So people deny Christ either by confession or by the way that they live their lives. One, and that path leads to destruction, which is eternal damnation. And Jesus makes it clear that the majority of the people will choose the wrong path. They will live their lives walking the path to destruction. And few will walk with Jesus to their eternal home. Now, those are not my words. Those are Jesus' words. And I'm not doing gymnastics with them. That's what it says. And I, I, I wanted to read these words because this movement is capturing the minds and hearts of many, 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 many people that confess or profess to be Christians. And, and I wanted you to be aware and, and be prepared. And, and it's not new. This, this deception, this heresy has always existed. It existed from the beginning of the church 
but it is happening now and it's going to continue to increase i believe exponentially and it's significant and we must not ignore it now it's not easy to define i would encourage you to google it if you can bring yourself to use that word I would encourage you to Google it and just read the stuff. It, it is crazy, y'all. There are so many different variations and different streams and, and all this, but at root, it, it begins where every heresy begins, denying the authority of this word. Denying the authority of this word. That's where every heresy begins, and that's where this one begins. Rejecting the doctrine of the infallibility of the word of God. In other words, they claim that this word is not really the word of God. It's been messed up. People have mistranslated it. God has, this is what, God has not protected it. Which is ridiculous, because what does God promise? That he will protect his word. One of the defining characteristics of their belief system is that as culture progresses, this word progresses. Their belief system progresses. Their beliefs, their interpretations evolve and move away from our ancient, antiquated interpretations and understanding of Scripture. They decide for themselves what Jesus did and did not say. They reinterpret the word to conform to, to what is good and pleasing, not to God, but to them and to the larger culture. Are you hearing me this morning? Why? Because this is offensive, it's not loving. Well, that's because you don't understand it. Because if you did, then you would know that's not true. It's all lies. Think about the crowd <laughs> that walked away from Jesus. The Son of God in the flesh was speaking, and they were offended. They could not accept the truth. They could not hear it. And that is how these progressive Christians feel about much of this word. How many of you like Golden Corral? It's all right. You can be honest. I love me some Golden Corral. I love me some Golden. I'm with you, brother. I love me some Golden Corral. You know why? Because you can go into Golden Corral, and they have everything you could ever ask for in food everything and you get to go over there and you get to pick what you like what will please you what will satisfy your desire and then you get to leave all the other stuff so i can have my collard greens and i can leave the peas These people have a golden corral faith. They have a golden corral Christianity and they put Jesus' name on it. 
but it is not of Christ. It is of the devil. It is anti-Christ. Because if we understand the basic of Christianity, and that is this, my opinions, my feelings mean nothing, and yours don't either, unless they are filtered through this word. And we have uh, platforms where we, everybody puts out their opinions. And we get to read everybody's opinions. And the reason I spend very little time on that is because their opinions don't mean squat to me. And neither do mine. And I hope mine don't mean anything to you. I can preach to you for the next two hours. I might. I can preach for you to, for the next two hours, okay? And if it ain't from here, don't hear a word of it. Do not accept it. The only thing that matters is what God says. And God has given us his word so that we know what that is. And this word does not change with time or circumstances. It does not move with the culture. And when all of that other stuff is gone, the word will still be standing. The word of God. And the word said this would happen, and it is happening right now. And it's not just individuals, but entire denominations are splitting into groups. A progressive group and a conservative or traditional or orthodox group. So many are abandoning the word of God and what the... Jude called in his letter, you know Jude, J-U-D-E, what he called in his letter the faith that was once for all, once for all delivered to the saints. Not progressive forms, not heretical forms, the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. You can't improve upon it. You can't make it any better. It's perfect, just as it is. Whether you understand it, agree with it, like it, don't like it, is irrelevant. It's true from cover to cover. The faith that we have affirmed, the faith that this church, the gospel that we have believed, and the doctrines that we have recognized for 2,000 years, and these progressives are moving with the culture. Approving and promoting heresies and sinful and destructive lifestyles. Many of them even believe all roads lead to heaven. Universal salvation. I just read an article preparing for this from a big name who has since decided that we're wrong, she's right, and now she's writing for everybody to hear her progressive Christian views. She believes she's a Christian, and she is antichrist. Absolutely antichrist. Now, this isn't about politics. Let me make this clear. 
What I'm talking about today, this isn't about politics. This is about two kingdoms. I, I mentioned that earlier. But listen to this example of the danger of what I'm talking about. Because this happened one week ago in the United States House of Representatives. When they opened their session, they had a U.S. representative. I'm not going to mention his name. You can look it up for yourself. From Missouri. Okay? Doesn't matter where he's from. It's happening everywhere. He is an ordained United Methodist minister, ordained minister. He was closing what sounded like a Christian prayer until he ended it with this. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma. Brahma, that's a Hindu Trinitarian God. Brahma. And God known by many names, by many different faiths, a man and a woman. Now listen, everybody's all crazy all over the internet about the amen and a woman. That's, that's serious. That's definitely nothing biblical. Amen has nothing to do with gender. Okay, but now everything, has, you know... Your, your peas and your um, collard greens have to do with gender. <laughs> Everything. Okay? It has nothing to do with gender. But very few people have said anything about the part right before that. You know why? Most of them don't have a problem with it. Most of them have no problem with it. The United States, House of Representatives, in God we trust. Well, what God? I know what God I trust, but if you're trusting in Brahma, brother, you got some problems. Because Brahma will take you to hell. A false Hindu God. A counterfeit God, made in Trinity, by the way. I just learned that looking at this. And then he declares that we all pray to the same God with many names and through many different faiths. And this is where it's all going. Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I don't care how many times I say Jesus or how many times you say Jesus. If this is your confession, you're deceived. And you need to seek God and find the truth. They confess Christ. This man is a minister of the minister of the gospel who confesses Christ, but by his own words. Jesus said, your words will what? They will either acquit you or they will condemn you. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus once said, when the Son of Man comes, will he truly find, or will he really find faith on the earth? But, but what you may not know is that in the Greek, there is a definite article, the, in there. It actually says, will he find the faith on the earth? 
Oh, he'll find faith. He'll find faith in all kinds of, he'll find faith in Brahma. He'll find faith in the golden corral faith. He will find faith in all kinds of things. But will he find the faith on the earth? What faith? The faith that Jude spoke about. The faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. The faith that is characteristic of every true believer. The gospel of salvation by grace through faith in, not Brahma, but Jesus Christ. The faith that is not in a grace that teaches us that we can confess Christ and live in obedience and rebellion and unrepentant sin against God, that's not the faith that Jesus requires. That is a lie and a false gospel. Titus tells us what the faith is. In chapter 2, he says, the faith that teaches us to say no to sin and ungodliness. Teaches us to say no He put his spirit in us to empower us to say, no, I will not live that way anymore. I am am filled with the spirit of God. And I will make war on all sin in my life. And I will not live in it. The pig will not return to the mud. This is so important. Do not, do not listen to the liars. Do not accept their progressive version of faith that rejects Jesus and his truth. You need to understand that there are many that are falling away from the faith and many more that are going to They choose to go with the culture. The deception will be more rampant, and the temptation will be greater and greater for you and I. We need to be honest about this. It's going to knock on your door. It's going to knock on this church. There's going to be people that walk through these doors, and they are going to want to say, oh, no, this is the progressive form of Christianity that Jesus really meant. Wolves among the sheep. All these things are coming alive for us. It's a counterfeit Jesus. It's a counterfeit gospel. And it's a path that leads to destruction. And and you need to have eyes to see. That's what I'm praying for. That believers will have eyes to see. Greater and greater numbers of people that confess Christ are aligning with the culture and against all those that will truly stand with Jesus and his truth and his word. And and listen, the day is rapidly approaching when it's no longer going to be. You know, one of the beauties of our constitution, democracy, whatever, is you can believe what you want to believe, and I can believe what I want to believe, and we can disagree, but we can do it respectfully. You wouldn't know that in 2020. But that was one of the, Jesus never forced any, he let them walk away. You, you, you can't accept it. You can't hear it. I understand. You know, I've, play, I've laid the truth out for you. If you don't receive it, I shake the dust off my feet and move on. 
But you see, that's not what's going to be the case. Because what is coming is, you cannot believe what you believe as a Bible-believing, the faith Christian. You can't believe that because that is cruel, it's unloving, it's unacceptable, and it's a harm to society. That's how it's going to be portrayed. Now listen, this is what I was telling my wife on the way here this morning. It's one thing for the culture to be against us. It's another thing where there's this other presentation of Christianity that has no offense to it, that says everybody's going, and there's no demands there's no counting the cost. We're all in, and it's just love and peace and flowers and daisies. When that is there, when that is out there, and it's growing, and it's this huge movement, we are isolated into the few that walk the path. And so what follows? What follows? Persecution. And that's also prophesied clearly in Scripture. And that's the other thing I want to spend just a few minutes on this morning. The reality of the potential persecution. And I say potential, it's coming, but I don't know how it's going to get with us here. We don't know if it'll be our kids. We, you know, kind of have feelings about that but you know I'm not going to sit here and tell you because nobody knows the time or the hour right but there's a lot of signs and persecution is at the highest level that it's been on the earth consistently right now I taught a message on that and did a lot of research on that and I didn't even realize it and it it shocked me in the earth but it's coming here to our front door. And so I want to read, go back to the John chapter 6, and I want to read John 6, and I want to go through 66 through 69, where we kind of stopped, but I want to read that last verse again where it talks about the falling away. Will it help you if you read from John and not Luke? Okay. John chapter 6, verses 66 through 69, it says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of God of the living God. Sooner or later, we will face the the increasing pressure and we're going to hear Jesus asking us in times of decision, in the midst of this great apostasy, this great deception, we are going to ask Jesus, or we're going to hear Jesus asking us, will you go away also? Will you go away also? If you're not ready to answer that question, 
then by default, your answer will be yes. Sorry, Jesus, but I can't stand under the pressure. Will you go also? Will you move with the culture? Will you go with the majority? Many walk the path. Few walk the path to life. Many walk the path to destruction. You're going to go with them now? Will you go also? Or will we recognize not just right now while the furnace is not turned up seven times. But when you can fill the flames, who are you going to stand with? Are you going to be a Daniel? Will you be prepared to stand in the face of great opposition? Because we, we haven't seen anything yet. Will you declare also when your time comes? Lord, where else are we going to go? I'm with you. Jesus, where am I going to go? I have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I cannot go with them. I'm with you. Come what may, I'm with you. Will you follow Jesus into the garden? And will you get down on your knees and pray and prepare your heart daily so that you can say as Jesus said not my will but your will be done you notice when we read about the path it said difficult is the path the easy thing is to cave and many will the easy thing is to cave, and many will. The Bible says it, and if you open your eyes, you'll see it. The difficult thing is to stand in the face of that and to hang on to Jesus in life or in death. And you know what? I don't take that for granted. What do I mean by that? I've actually had conversations with my wife and a few other people close to me, and I have this conversation with myself and with my God. If that moment comes, will I be strong enough? Will I be able? Because I don't want to be prideful and just think, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm a pastor. I'm close to Jesus. I'm good. I want, I want to be ready. When that time comes, 
that I can be like Polycarp, the bishop who at like 80 years said something like 70 and 70, 70 and something years have I served my king. And he has always been good to me. How now shall I deny him? And they set him on fire. Will we follow him into the garden and declare not my will but yours? And will we follow him out into the streets? And will we respond as Jesus commanded us, as he demonstrated to us? What should our response be? How do we respond to that? Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Again, we're going to get into just a few verses from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. This is Jesus. He says, you have heard that it was said, this is verse 43 and 44 of Matthew 5, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Are you ready to do that? Because it takes preparation and it takes a heart. that few have. We respond as Jesus responded, as the apostles in the early church responded, as so many that have gone before us responded. We walk with Jesus on the path of sacrificial love. We overcome evil with good. We respond to to hate by loving our enemies as Christ has loved us. We, we pray for those who, who are persecuting us. We bless those that curse us. We do good to those that hate us. It is radical. It is supernatural. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Greater are those who are with us than those who are against us. Because in the kingdom of God, it's not about numbers. Our God is all-powerful. Satan is on a chain. And God is in control. We have been chosen. I love what she said. I don't know where she went. She was preaching all over my mess. 
We have been chosen. Think about that. The Bible talks about how God determines where we live and the time that we're born and the days of our lives. And we have been chosen for such a time as this. We have been chosen to be that light in the darkest of darkness. To be the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus to a lost world and even a hostile world. You know, none of us probably mind going out with a group and evangelizing downtown when they're not carrying weapons. But how many of us want to go out knowing that our lives could be taken at any moment? And yet people in the earth do it every day in the strength of the Lord. Look at verses 10 through 12 real quick. I'm about to wrap up here. Verses 10 through 12. Same chapter. <clears throat> this is in the Beatitudes. The B attitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs. It's the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are in good company. You are in glorious company. There is a cloud of witnesses that surrounds us who have gone before us and stood in the face of great opposition and they have received a great reward. An eternal reward. We need to see it as Jesus has declared it to be. You're blessed. We are blessed to live in this time. We are blessed to live in this time. We are blessed to have this opportunity to love people who hate us. Man, that is powerful. That is powerful. And that's the way of Christ. All this stuff, all these comments, all this anger, all this hatred, even from Christians, that is not a Christ. You say, well, that's righteous anger. Well, you better be sure. You really better search my heart and know me. See if there is any offensive way within me. Because a lot of that stuff I read, the Spirit just jumps right off of that. That is not from God. That is not the nature of Christ. We're blessed. And when we respond as Christ commanded, there is, there is a, a glorious anointing that comes upon us. We're, we have the opportunity 
in the worst, maybe, no, I won't say the worst, in some of the most difficult circumstances that we've experienced, we have this opportunity to actually live what we say we believe. That should be our attitude every morning. I have this opportunity to actually live in the face of great turmoil and uncertainty and I'm standing on the rock. I mean, I got an opportunity to actually live what I say I believe. And Jesus said, when people see your good works, they will praise your Father in heaven. I'm going to go with that evangelism plan. And not the one, let's see if I can hate them into the kingdom. Let's see if I can scare them into the kingdom. Like I said, you can't make the story any better. It's perfect. We just got to live it. We just got to live what we say we believe. And we got to proclaim the good news. And be willing to, if necessary, share in his suffering. I have read testimony after testimony of people that have suffered and, and even given their lives for the cause of Christ. And there is an anointing of power and boldness that comes to the church in times of persecution. When we stand with Jesus and his truth, when we're not ashamed, that was preached too this morning, when we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of the gospel. Those people walked away. They were ashamed of the gospel. People are walking today away because they're ashamed of the gospel. This is not the gospel. We want to turn it into something that people can swallow, that people can accept. No, we are not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation for those that believe. It is the power of God for the salvation of those that believe. That's the gospel that saved me, and now I'm going to go and preach some other gospel? No way. There is an anointing. This is great news. There is an anointing that we have, many of us have probably never experienced, but when the heat turns up, we are going to walk through fire, and we are not going to be burned. You won't even smell smoke in the little bit of hair that I have. You'll just smell Jesus, the fragrance of Christ. The aroma of Christ, the word says. And we testify to the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God to those that hate us and mistreat us. The way of Christ. We're going to see Jesus show up in power and manifest his presence in the midst of our battles in ways that we have never seen before. And this explains why the church has always, listen, the church has always, always flourished in times of persecution. Absolutely flourished. Oh, we're going to stamp them out. How'd that go for you? We're, they're growing faster than we can kill them. I'm serious. It's always flourished in times of persecution, and it will flourish if we walk with Christ 
through what we're facing. I don't know specifically what the future holds. You know where this is going. But I know who holds the future. Jesus is still on the throne. And listen, church, our mission has not changed. I hear people, oh, what are we going to do? Our mission has not changed. If you are kingdom-minded, if you are waking up every day to pursue the will of God in the kingdom of God, all this other stuff, your mission has not changed. It doesn't matter where the culture goes. It doesn't matter where the government goes. It doesn't matter all that other stuff. Your mission has not changed. Your purpose in him has not changed. And it will not change until... Adios, amigos. You see, I can speak a little bit of Spanish after 15 years in a... No, I'm serious. I'm joking. (laughs) This is our time. This is our time. Just get that this morning. This is our time. Embrace it. Embrace it. Decide to embrace it and to declare no matter what comes, Lord, I will not turn away. I will not shrink back. I will not abandon your word or your will. I will stand and defend the true gospel, the faith that you deliver to the saints once and for all that does not change. And I won't give up. And I won't give in. I won't give up. And I won't give in. I will love. I will overcome evil with good. I will love. With the love of Christ. I will lay down my life. Spiritually and if necessary physically, I will lay down my life. To love and serve others as Christ has loved me. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for the opportunity.